Brent, welcome back, sir. We have got a head coach at the University of Michigan, and he goes by the name of St. Jim Harbaugh. Your excitement level. Who's got it better than us, Dave? Nobody <laughs> besides like 12 to 15 other programs I can think of. <laughs> yeah, and any NFL team. <laughs> Golly, man, I don't know about you, but I, you know, if you listen back to our, to our podcast, I was like set on Harbaugh's not leaving. And I thought the whole thing was smoke. I thought, you know, he was just doing this little dance with the, the NFL to prove a point, maybe make his sweeten his deal a little bit. And then about 48 to 72 hours ago, well, you know, right now we're recording this is Thursday. I believe it was like Monday night or so. The report started coming out about him having interviewed with, with the Vikings and that this was pretty much a done deal that he was confident that the job was his. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, it sounds like they're about to fly him in for a second interview. He wants this job. It actually seems pretty apparent that he wants out. And then breaking news, Jim to stay at Michigan, Michigan's elated quote unquote, that Jim Harbaugh is coming back. Jim, Nowhere else he'd want to be rather than the University of Michigan. Man, this just, it, it, it smells bad. It looks bad. It tastes bad. It, this whole thing was just stench. How did you feel about this whole process, Brian? Because I got, I got a lot of thoughts. And, and as a matter of fact, I don't think, no, I don't, it's not that I, I don't think. The bottom line is Jim Harbaugh didn't get an NFL offer. He did not get an offer. And he, because he didn't get an offer, tucked his tail between his legs and came skirting back to Ann Arbor to Ward Manuel. What, what were your thoughts? Dave, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I don't really have any ill will either way on it. Like, I know you're going to think this is probably a bad take, but I really don't care. Like, I'm over it. I was over it like 30 days ago after we lost the Orange Bowl. Like, I just, I didn't, I guess I didn't care that, he came back in such a fashion that he did. Like it's very clear that the NFL didn't want him. You are correct. You don't go to an interview for nine hours and then just say no to the job. Like they didn't give it to you, Jim. So that's why you're back here. Um, which is hard to believe that the Minnesota Vikings would entertain him for nine hours and not give him the job. Like that's weird in itself, right? No. What's weird is spending nine hours with Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Right. Um, so I thought all of that was weird, but I, back to my point of, I don't care. It's just the fact of me and you, Dave, we just want to win football games as Michigan fans. We don't care who the coach is mostly. We just want you to be able to recruit and win games. And I think Dave in April, we're not going to care about this no. in May. We're not going to care. We're going to be focusing on like who's getting the reps at quarterback who's injured, who's shining in the defensive practices, who's coming on strong. We won't even talk about this situation again, but in this moment, yeah, it was kind of stupid the way it all played out. But honestly, I could kind of care less, Dave. I don't know. I, you go. I, I could care less too, Brant, but you already know come spring ball, who's standing out. 
why don't you just bring out the whole active roster? Cause Jim's going to name every single one of them on there about who stood out. And I'm sure Mike Sandrin still is just turning heads like he is every year. But anyway, man, I I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm with you. I really don't care that much in a way. I'm like, at, at this point, I'm happy he's coming back just for the sake of like continuity in the program. I said all along, my biggest concern was like, I don't want to lose any of our position coaches we have right now. I think, from the time Michigan started winning and you were asking me like, when do you give some credit to Jim Harbaugh? And I said, my credit to Jim Harbaugh is putting together the coaching staff that he has. Um, And I didn't give him necessarily the credit of getting these, these wins or beating Ohio state. And I get it. I am a very tough Jim Harbaugh critic, but I didn't want to lose Gaddis. I didn't want to lose Mike Hart. I didn't want to lose Ron Bellamy, Sharon Moore, you just brought in Mike Elston. Like those pieces are are critical, and I think that if Harbaugh would have left, I I'm not sure what would have happened. To be quite honest with you, I'm not I'm not sure. And, and that was the only reason why, as these days were going on, where I'm like, man, gosh, maybe we do just want him to come back, just so we don't have to deal with like blowing this thing to to smithereens or having a discussion about whether Gaddis or Mike Hart are ready to like take the reins of this team. Like, cause I didn't feel like truthfully, either of them were, maybe they would have been great. I, I don't know, but I wasn't like jumping for joy, but at the same time I was like, well, I wanted them. If Jim did leave to bring somebody in internally, that was already there just so we could keep the other guys around him. So I, I think in Michigan's case, this is probably best case scenario. I don't know beginning of February on national signing day, who else you're bringing in, you know, this, it started to become eerily similar to what Mark D'Antonio did when he left Michigan state and, and credit to Michigan state for going out and finding Mel Tucker in, in Colorado, because these coaches are not growing on trees uh, with these winning coaches. So yeah, I, I moved on. I'll continue to joke about Jim Harbaugh because as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but like you said, you said it best, as long as we win football games, I don't care. And my excitement level has never been about the coach has been about the players on this team. And I'm still really, really excited about, uh, about what we have coming up. So, yeah, Dave, he goes nine and three. I'm pissed either way. Like I don't want to go nine and three that it doesn't matter if he flirted with the NFL last year or not. I'm not going to think about any of that. All I'm going to concern myself with is why are we losing games and he better come up with answers and not just, you know, well, we're having good days. Quick well, <laughs> question for you. Do you think we're going to go through the same thing again next year or the year after, or no. did, did they finally put a fork in Jim Harbaugh and his return to the NFL at age 58? I think the NFL has kind of spoke on that. They kind of, this was like the ceremonial, you know how they did do on survivor where they put out the little flame. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like he just got his flame extinguished and I think that teams were generally interested this year, but like if you do any background checks with all these NFL teams do extensively, you'll find out that he's kind of weird and quirky. And how is John Harbaugh so much more normal than Jim? And I just think that guys, people in the NFL nowadays with everything that's going on, especially with this Brian Flores situation and all this, like, just get the most normal candidate you can. That's an up and comer um, and kind of go about it that way. You don't need any weirdness surrounding your NFL team. I, I also think that the game really at the NFL level is evolving every day. And you're seeing 
young the 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 young guys start to come in and be the attractive candidates, right? And Sean McVay kind of was the first one to to lead the way. Now you've got Mike McDonald, uh, who leaves Michigan as a you know thirty three year old guy or thirty two year old, however old he is. Now he's a D coordinator for the Ravens, um, an analytical type of guy. You're you're looking at Kellen Moore getting interviews. You know, I believe he's thirty three years old. Like the the game is is just kind of evolving and changing, and I think it's uh it's passing it's passing by guys like Jim Harbaugh and. And, you know, these are also different players in the league today. Like, I don't see Jim's quirkiness, like you said, in his odd things that he says, clicking in an NFL locker room. And even when he left the 49ers and he brought them to heights that they were not expecting. Um, but when he left there, man, and, and you know, a year goes by, they, they talked to players who were there and they were like, yeah, I hated playing for him. Like, it was yeah. cool for like a, a year, maybe. And then it was like, all right, the the – this dog, this pony show has just got to, it's got to end um, because it's annoying and it's not cute. So I, I, I just don't, I don't think there's anywhere but the University of Michigan to go for Jim Harbaugh. So now you get in kind of a sticky situation where you know you wonder what the details of this contract are going to be, and you know, did Jim kind of get, you know, because he he put himself out there. I mean, he was just waiting and waiting and looking for NFL jobs. He got smacked around a little bit and. And, and came back. Um, and, and so I, I'm interested to see what the future holds for, for Harbaugh at Michigan. He rubbed a lot of, now Bram with you, I'm not holding any ill feelings. I never really like Jim wasn't my favorite person to begin with, but he's back like whatever, as long as we win, I don't care. There's a lot of Michigan fans that have a sour taste in their mouth right now. Um, and whatever, you don't need to respond to the, to, to the fans or explain yourself to them. But um I think right now you've got a, a pocket of people that are like, okay, you just went through this whole thing and, you know, treated yourself like you were like the king and you just headed back to the NFL and entertaining offers. Nobody wanted you. Like, you better come back and prove that this year wasn't just a fluke. Like, are you going to beat Ohio State again in the next three years? Right. And I don't know the answer to that question, obviously, Dave, but I can tell you confidently go one and oh, and nobody cares. Like, that's that's the main point of this is like at the end of the day, are you a Michigan fan or are you just here to hate on Harbaugh? Like you're going to have to move on. And if you don't move on tomorrow, like you're just doing yourself a disservice. So I think most people will move on. It's not a big deal. I can tell you, Dave, I think oddly enough, the Vikings made the best decision. Like I, I think that actually because I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that anyway. Did you think that was going to work out or no? With Harbaugh? Yeah, like if you were to go to the Vikings, do you think that would have been a good fit? No. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just terrible. I think everything people, that he said, he everything I read said he wanted to go compete for a Super Bowl. He had unfinished business. Yeah, I like, know. I, you're going to go to a small market team like Minnesota, who doesn't have the playoffs even in sight right now, with a question mark over Michigan State alum Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Like, you know, I, they didn't make sense to me at all, actually. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the fit either. And I think one of the things I heard that came out was they were talking about coordinators and, and fits on the, the coaching side. And I heard that they were going to have – like the GM was going to have a say with Jim on that. And Jim was not a huge fan of, you're not going to tell me who I'm bringing in on my staff. And I think, you know, things might fall apart after that. And it, but it doesn't really work that way anymore. You know what I mean? It's not – nobody's handing you the keys to the GM office – and the head coach's office just doesn't really work that way anymore. I mean, Bill Belichick 
is the last one to probably be able to do it. Bill O'Brien was a dumpster fire. Um, you know, and Gruden was basically doing that in Vegas. So I don't know. Doesn't yeah. seem yep, for sure. So Brant sticking with uh NFL now as we start talking about Harbaugh to the NFL and that that thing is squashed. Rams and Bengals come out on top. Rams edge out to 49ers who seem like they had it right in front of them. Super Bowl in sight. And who does it, Brant? Your boy, nine, Matt Stafford, leading those Rams. And, and it's hard not to be happy for Stafford. You've seen the interview after the game. You know, got you got to be happy for him. The Rams are there. They've made it. Um, they've got a home game, essentially, where the Super Bowl is going to be hosted. Still would expect probably more Bengals fans than Rams if it's like any of their other home games. Um, seems like they haven't quite found themselves a, a fan base yet. And then you've got the Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals, who, if you're a Lions fan, you've got to be holding out some hope right now. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl, Lions fans. The Cincinnati Bengals. Brant, your thoughts on this matchup real quick. Yeah, I love the matchup, actually. Um, I think it's really cool that you get the, the Matt Stafford story. I think that's a great story. Um, I also think the Joe Burrow story happens to be really cool. Like we don't have Mahomes versus Brady. That's, that's been played out. I was good on that. I didn't want to see that. Um, and I just, I really didn't think the 49ers were, were that great on offense. They were kind of an interesting thing with Debo and, and what they do and everything like that. But Jimmy G just, you saw bad Jimmy the last two minutes of that game. And on that last drive, it was like, Oh my God, what? Is this Tony Romo 2.0, Dave? Or that was a nightmare to watch. That's what it felt like. Yeah, that's really what it felt like, man. It was like, oh my God, he can't get out of his own way. But um, I'm really intrigued by watching the Rams uh, defense against that Bengals offense. I love that Bengals offense. I, I just raved about it last week about their weapons and how they could score with the Chiefs. I really thought that was, um, that really showed out. And to the Bengals defense credit, they stepped up and they made plays when they had to. But overall, I think the over under is set at like 48 and a half for this game, Dave. I'm thinking that's going to be well over, man. That's going to, I think you were, I think you're going to see 50, 60 points in this game and you could see it up in the thirties. So a really cool matchup, something that uh, also gets underplayed here, I think is the career of Aaron Donald. I mean, the guy just is a complete wrecking crew, like a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, that's been defensive player of the year, you know, a few times. Uh, but now he gets his chance at a Super Bowl. That's a really cool story. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of cool storylines in this Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I am, pulling for, uh, I am pulling for the Bengals now. Let's get this done. Who day? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I'm who I'm pulling for. I mean, yeah, I it, it would be cool to see the Bengals win just because the Bengals and the fact they're in the Super Bowl is like crazy. Um, Joe Burrow is just a different type of kid, and you're just seeing a second year quarterback with just he's so full of confidence, and and that matters. It mattered in that game against the Chiefs. I mean, they went down. What was it like, twenty one to three or something like that? Like early. They were down 18 or yeah. And, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He just, you know, they kept showing Joe Burrow on the sideline, never flinched. And 
you know, he, he's a winner. He was at LSU and he is right now. That's, I don't think they're, I mean, they are, cause you're seeing the, the, the headlines start to come out and all the Joe Burrow, you know, memes and love and all of that. But um, I, I think we are seeing something special right now in, in Cincinnati and, the AFC is going to be a tough place to play for the yeah, next Dave, several I'm gonna, years. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Uh, if you had to choose to start your franchise tomorrow, Allen, Burrow, Mahomes on the table, who are you taking? Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with the classic Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to be bold and take, and take Burrow. Uh, but man, one law. I mean, look, Mahomes has had the Chiefs like in the Super Bowl, yeah. in the Super Bowl, or on the fringe of a Super Bowl, or winning a Super Bowl like the last several years. So that's hard. And he's young and likable, and like he's he's a perfect face of a of a team. So it's got to be Pat Mahomes. And then to me, it probably and it'd be Joe Burrow after that, and then Josh Allen, who I I also love Josh Allen. I just with Josh Allen's um game is you know right now he looks like a he runs the ball like when he scrambles looks like a six foot whatever like fullback out there i i do wonder you know with any quarterback who who runs a lot like that or is that mobile um how, the longevity of that career um he's really dialed in his passing though like he used to be so careless on throws where like he'd make five great throws and then follow it up with like two terrible ones. And he he's gotten significantly better. That chiefs bills game was still like the most fun game I've watched in a really long time. Uh, I, I love Josh Allen, but gosh, Josh Allen is not in the super bowl right now. Yeah. Joe Burrow is then yeah. that's, and that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. You think about that though. I mean, you talk about Josh Allen like that and don't forget, I don't think Joshua Allen has near the weapons that those other two do. So uh, definitely an interesting conversation and something that is going to be fun to watch in the AFC over the next few years for sure. Absolutely. And and we'll hit more on the Super Bowl next week uh, as we as we head into Super Bowl Sunday. Um, let's shift over to basketball, Brant. Michigan just crapped the bed against Michigan State in East Lansing, got destroyed in the second half. You know, they've somehow, then they squeaked by, Michigan squeaked by Nebraska the other night. They somehow have won four out of five games. I, Brant, what are we to make of this Michigan team right now? Are, are they making the tourney? Like, I, they're so inconsistent. They're young. They're young. I have to remind myself that they're young. But, man, they are frustrating to watch. Yeah, they are young. They're kind of young, though. Like, you look at DJ and you look at, uh, Eli and you look at Hunter I mean they played a solid amount of college basketball games so I'm not letting them off the hook that easy and the other thing I'm not letting off the hook is Jawan right now and Dave every time you watch it's like okay five good minutes of basketball and then five very bad minutes of basketball and the five minutes of bad basketball at, a, at the Breslin Center will cost you a game in a hurry and you saw it uh, where did they fall apart Dave they fell apart when they came out of halftime and they went like 0 for 7 or 0 for 9 when they came out. And it's not due to lack of effort. It wasn't due to, I don't think, focus or anything like that. I think it was more, hey, we got off track with our shots and we didn't play good enough defense and we ended up getting beat. And that Michigan State loss wasn't the worst thing for me. It was everything you did coming into that game. Um, yeah, you had won three straight, which is very nice. But 
I'm talking about what you did in December, early January. You lost a lot of games because you were not gelled. And that goes back to Jawan. Um, so I think Jawan's on the hook for this, but they've sneaking out that Nebraska win at home. I've talked about it before on this pod. Chrysler is just not what it was right now. And it is a nine o'clock start against the sleepy Nebraska team. I'm not surprised we were in a dogfight late. No, COVID um, I don't killed think you, Chrysler. Yeah, I don't think you were surprised either because I know nope. we were texting. It's just kind of like, kind of saw this coming. Um, it's just, to, make, to, to, to put it lightly, Dave, we have a short chance to make this NCAA tournament. And it comes down to you're going to have to win a couple of these on the road. You're going to have to win at Ohio State. You're going to have to win at Purdue. You're going to have to win um, and get Penn State. Like you're going to have to go to some hostile environments and get wins and also clean up at home. You still have Purdue, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and Illinois coming to Chrysler. Uh, You better win those games. And, Dave, the other thing that I found interesting is, do you know a Big Ten team that they currently have projected in the field? Um as a seven seed, that just shocked me. Mm-mm. Who's that? Iowa. And wow. Look, <laughs> yeah, I was like four and six in the league. A seven had, seed in the in the big dance. Yeah, and I was like shocked by that. And you know, Michigan is I think one or maybe two wins ahead of them right now in the Big Ten, but they have a home and home against them still. So that's going to be big games too. Even Iowa, which. It's very middle of the road. You have to take care of business. We know that going to Carver Hawkeye Arena is not an easy place to play, but you want to make the tournament, you have to win games like that against a little above average teams. But when I saw them as a seven seed, I was pretty shocked. Yeah, yep. That that is pretty shocking to me too. So yeah, we'll we'll have to see how this plays out. I just every time I want to start giving Caleb Houston some credit, he just like seems to disappear or make like a bad pass at the wrong time. It's just 17 year old man, man. He is, he is showing every bit of his age. Um, And on the flip side of that, you're seeing like, man, Hunter Dickinson can just take over a game. Like they feel that's gotta be their, their identity is just get him the ball. Like the dude doesn't miss down down there. Um, and he's starting to make really good decisions on the block too, as far as passing goes. Yeah. Um, his follow trouble really hurt us against Nebraska. Yes. He's got to stay out of follow trouble. And when he does get into follow trouble, you know, we've said it before, Brandon Johns has got to step into that role and make plays. We don't have another big out of him and Diabate. That's it. That's our front line. That's it. Yep. You're, you're exactly right. I've, I've been Im- impressed too with Devonte Jones. I know we talked about this on the last podcast. He, I wrote Devonte Jones off back in early December. I was like, this guy just ain't it. He, he has come in and, and been a very, very good experienced player for Michigan and it's showing more and more here down the stretch. So um, got to give him some props at the end of the day. Yeah. You take, you take one on the chin against Michigan state against your rival and just totally fall apart in the second half there. Uh, but you've won four out of five. You gotta, you gotta find it within you to win one of these games. You just named Brant. You just have to, it can't be close. It can't be lost by three or four. You got to yeah. go get a win, get a big win on the road and you've got to win at home. Gosh, I feel like COVID just killed Chrysler arena. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's just, there's, it's just not even inspiring to watch as a fan on TV. So I, I, I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of, uh, 
a lot of kinks got to be worked out still. And it's early February. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. All right, Brant, you know, my favorite topic, I do a whole podcast on this. Uh, if we could the Pistons, which oh. nobody literally wants to talk about probably besides me, Brant, you've been tuned into the Pistons at all lately. You up to speed with how, how they've been doing. I have been keeping my eye on uh, just how they've been faring lately. And I did see that Cade had a triple double and that people are all about him right now. And that's good to see. I don't know where he falls in the uh, rookie of the year uh, scale right now. I know we talked a little bit ago about him versus Mobley versus uh, Franz and, and those dudes. And I think he's right there. Um, and, I, and I do know that the Pistons have been in almost every game they've been playing lately. Well, yeah, they, they, they certainly have, they had a really good, they had a really good January, I believe they won more games than the Lakers um, in the, in the month of January. And Kay Cunningham is just showing to everybody why he belonged to be the number one overall pick at this point. I feel like we forgot who number two was, and that was Jalen green. He's not even in the rookie of the year conversation right now. And no, he's not still out on injury. He's been playing. Um, if Jalen can't shoot, Jalen doesn't help his team if he's having an off night. Kate Cunningham showed you the other night, Brant, in that Cavs game against Evan Mobley, who's kind of the competition. He is the competition for rookie of the year. It's going to be between him and Kate. You'll hear Scotty Barnes' name tossed around in there. You'll hear about Franz. Um, you're going to hear about Giddy for the Thunder, who's been really, really good lately. Um, but it's between Kate and Evan Mobley right now. And Cade came out and played like I was that was honestly like one of my favorite games I've I've watched uh of the Pistons this year because Cade came out in that game Evan Mobley started strong and Cade went into halftime with zero points and was shooting 0 of 10 and but while going 0 of 10 he had like five boards and six assists and so the thing about Cade Cunningham is even when Cade's not scoring he's commanding the game he's helping everybody around him be better and he's showing you why he's the the total package and the number one overall pick if you if you watch the pistons you've got to be excited about kate cunningham um he he's leading right now actually um the rookie ladder board is what they're saying they just put him above evan mobley it's going to be between him and mobley for sure at the end of the year and evan mobley is a is a heck of a player you wonder if the rockets have any regrets right now of taking Jalen green over him. Um, but yeah, Kate Cunningham has been absolutely exploding and uh, he's out tonight with a, with a hit pointer, but he's just been, he's been great. And he is super fun to watch. So been loving that. The question I wanted to pose to you, Brand, on the Pistons before we get out of here tonight is how, so the trade deadline is next Thursday, the NBA trade trade deadline is how active should the Pistons be? You're hearing Jeremy Grant, he's being called as like the, the crown jewel essentially of this trade deadline. Like he's the player that people want. He's on a very friendly contract. He's due to make, you know, I think 19 mil this year, 20 mil next year. Uh, whoever trades for him is going to have to probably extend him next year. What do you think, Brand? He just came back off an of injury. He's got one game under his belt. He did play pretty good. Um, and I'm just curious of your thoughts of like what you think the Pistons should, should do or should not do. Should they stand pat and hold on to Jeremy Grant? Uh, No, they shouldn't. They definitely shouldn't stand pat, uh, especially when you have the crown jewel of this trade, whatever. Um, But Dave, isn't 
Patrick Williams like on the is he off the table or what's the deal with that? So it, there there were rumors for quite a while. That's the guy I wanted actually. Uh, that the Bulls wanted to go all in here and and make a splash move because they think they got a real chance this year to make a run at this thing out of the East. And and they do now. They've been hit with the injury bug lately. And so you heard Patrick Williams' name being floated out there as a potential trade candidate for Jeremy, and I was all about it. And that's kind of fizzled lately. And what I read most recently is that the Bulls have kind of taken Patrick Williams off the table there. So that one sounds like that would be a far a far fetch, but I I would have loved that. All right, Dave. Then I guess I don't know who really would go after him. Then I I, I think maybe what like the Lakers would be looking for a dude um at the Warriors maybe but I, I don't think the Warriors are going to give up any of their very good young assets um I, well yeah I I think that one of the issues the Pistons are running into right now is you're naming like yeah the Lakers I read the Jazz tonight were interested in Jeremy Grant they're, they're all teams that have a, a shot to, to make a run at it a run at it this year and they get and they get Jeremy on a, a friendly contract for the next two years the problem is the Pistons have a high asking price for Jeremy Grant, and they should. They shouldn't just give him away to get a draft pick. Um, he is—he's got a lot of value right now, so they've got to find the right trade partner. Um, I'd like to see him traded somewhere like the Kings, who you know the Kings are not great. They may give you, um, you know, middle of the first round type of a pick, and maybe you get like a Marvin Bagley out of that. Somebody else. Um, I, I, I really would like to get a first round pick and a young prospect i would have loved for the warriors to part ways with like wiseman because god the pistons need yeah. a lob threat which they just do not have um but i that's not going to happen so yeah i'm i'm with you i think the pistons should certainly be making moves they should find a a way to trade jeremy they should find a way to trade rodney mcgruder they should find a way to to trade like uh, even kelly olenic you know they just signed him in the offseason his now you can trade him uh He's got value elsewhere. You know, th this team is just, they're in a different spot right now. They're, they're going to be exciting. I'm telling you, in the next two years, this team's going to be really exciting. But what the Pistons have been notorious for over the years is holding on to players too long and then not being able to get rid of them. Um, and so, you know, that was like Andre Drummond. They just, they held on to him for so long. And when his value was highest, they, you just couldn't get rid of Andre. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope they make moves. I definitely have faith in uh, your uh, uncle Troy Weaver, and and uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully they uh, they're active here in the next week. So, uh, Brant, anything else here, episode twenty five, before we get get out of here? No, Dave, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the Super Bowl next week. We'll do a lot on the Super Bowl next week. Um, I'll bring some prop bets that we can talk about. And uh, we definitely would like to do that. Um, there's definitely some interesting ones out there uh, that we'll go over. But other than that, man, just try to stay warm. Uh, I know we got dumped out by a ton of snow this week. Um, so we were talking about our snowblower woes before we got on here. Right. Uh, we don't have to bore anyone with that. But, yeah, um, looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right. Yes, we will see you all next week for a Super Bowl preview. Stay warm. Stay safe. Thank you all. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe.